The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. Welcome, guys, to the Quirky Dog Podcast. Today, we are going to talk about considerations with rescues. But as always, we are going to first begin with the quirky tip of the day. Great. Okay. I will give you guys the quirky tip of the day. Where's my pig? Hope. Hang on. There you go. Okay, quirky tip of the day. And what we've written here is don't rescue a dog off of a picture that you saw on the internet. It's not a great way to get into a relationship with a dog you've never met. You don't know the temperament and this, that, and the other thing. So it's always better if you can evaluate the dog in person or with a, with a professional, ideally. Yeah, and it goes the same. I mean, if you're going to buy a car and you see a car online that you really love, a lot of times you'll test drive the car before you actually make the purchase. If you see a house, normally you do a walkthrough of the house. If you see someone for a dating site, you normally don't go straight from marriage, from the picture. You do a few dates first. So think about the importance of meeting the dog, seeing the dog in person, getting that gut feeling, seeing how the family responds, and uh, or at least you and your husband or you and your partner or whatever. And then make your decision because getting a rescue is a long commitment and um, we just want the best for you guys and we're trying to set you up as for as much success as possible. Yeah, I would say unlike buying a car online, when you get the dog uh, off the internet and it comes into your home and you've had it for a week and then all of a sudden it starts getting, displaying some behaviors that are less than ideal, there's already now this bond. People get bonded to these dogs within 24 hours. Even if the dog is biting, it's like, well, let's try and fix this. We want to work it out because we've committed to this forever home for this dog. Whereas if it was a car that had some problem, you'd say, hey, it's a, you know, send it back. It's got, it's got an issue. I don't want this car. But people get so attached so quick to dogs that you want to be careful because you don't want to have the, a dog in your home that isn't the right dog for you and your family, meaning it could be dangerous. It could have uh, extreme anxiety. It could be very destructive. There could be all kinds of things going on with it that could really make your life a living hell and you should be prepared for that. And if that's the way the dog is and you know that on the front end, then that's your choice if you want to take on that responsibility. But not knowing it off a picture, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, and we've had some great rescues. It's not that we're saying don't get a rescue. It's just uh, we've had go awesome, into it, awesome rescues. Yeah. Go into it with your eyes open and kind of have a plan here. So I think part of the um, birth of this podcast came from this influx of rescues that we have coming up from the South. And um, a lot of them are coming up with behavioral problems, with health problems. And New England seemed to be kind of like a hotbed for these rescues from the South to come up. And I'd say in the past like five to 10 years, it's become way more of an issue than it ever was before. I mean, clearly we have an overpopulation problem of dogs in the country to begin with, but rescues from the South coming up here. And it's the underground railroad coming up here. Honest to gosh. And, uh, There's a lot of stuff like vaccines aren't matching up sometimes, like the things that the rescue organizations are saying that the dogs were administered isn't matching up with the records and with the microchips and everything else. The description of the dog isn't the same as what's on the, um, what the dog is and the the paperwork. Yeah, there was a court case a few years ago um, out of California. There was, I think it was a bully breed that 
had attacked someone and there was actually a history of aggression with this dog. Like there, it could be found now with well, the internet was, was and Facebook. A, there was a social media yeah. history, but not a documented history. But you could go back and find out the dog bit someone who was returned in Texas and then it went here, then it went to LA and then it bit somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a court case against them because it was kind of like a lemon law. Like, you know, you're you're giving us a product, you're selling us a product that, um, you know, you said wasn't effective and it had had a history of aggression. So just um, be thoughtful when you're dealing with rescues and when you're dealing with rescue organizations and everything else. It It's funny, rescue organizations sometimes um, are some of the most difficult people to deal with. I don't know how else to describe that? it. Their criteria of adopting out to families is, you know, do you have a fence and yard, everything else. When I was in college, I uh, would tour around with canine production companies a lot, and I was a great dog owner. You know, I had my own apartment with my dogs. They behaved well. They were quiet during the day. I took them out and played with them on the weekends. I could not adopt a rescue to save my life because I didn't have a fenced in yard. So they have like all these boxes that you check, but sometimes it seems a little bit like a power trip because they're just picking and choosing. Yeah, you can get one. You can't get one, everything else. So be careful with who you're dealing with and how you're dealing with it. And it's just not as simple as checking off uh, little boxes that you qualify. It really, it needs to be the right fit for you and your family. Yeah. And the other side of the coin is, you know, when they go through all of these criteria before they allow you to have the dog and they insist that that we're looking for a forever home, and emotionally, you're committed to a forever home. But then when you get this dog, it's totally not the dog that was described and everything in the original situation. And now you want to bring the dog back and they're saying, hey, you know, you said you were going to be a forever home and uh, we're going to have to put the dog down. So then everyone feels guilty. Well, I don't want the dog to be put down. So they keep the dog and they go for maybe a year or more with, you know, a very difficult time with a dog that has a lot of issues. And again, if you know that on the front end and decide to take that on, Great, you know, more power to you. But if you're trying to get a dog for your family, you got young kids, you don't want to take a dog into the home that might bite one of your kids in the face, you know? Yeah, and I mean, rescues, there's some really great rescue organizations out there, and we're not anti rescue organization either. That isn't the point here. But it is a business at the end of the day. And these Sarah McLaughlin commercials where, you know, that you're getting money donated and everything else, just because a shelter seems like they're doing the absolute best thing for society by being a no-kill shelter and everything else. Sometimes that isn't necessarily the best angle to take. I mean, there's really good dogs out there getting put down every single day, whereas some of these dogs that are never going to actually come up and greet someone and are just cowering in the back of the kennel are taking up space and being kept alive. So be thoughtful, do your research on these organizations and these rescues. And if you're just looking at a website, maybe take a different approach. One thing that... uh, How would you recommend... I was trying Rescuing to get to the positives dog. here. One uh, good tip that actually Scott came up with was bring a trainer with you. Not a bad idea. Some of these, um, not rescues, but the, uh, what are they called where they keep all the dogs? Um, not the rescue, but the dog pound type. Humane society? Yeah, yeah, yeah like humane society. They'll have a, the, uh, a trainer there on staff. And I would use uh, the trainer there as, to help you evaluate the dog that you think might be a good fit, you know, say, you know, can I take him out? If they say the dog is good with children, it'd be nice if you could see the dog with children, not at your least, own children. At least a video of a dog interacting with, you know, other children or other dogs or something else. Yeah, and if it, they say the dog is good with other dogs, let's see that dog out in the yard with other dogs. Let's see these situations instead of just hearing about it. Because quite often uh, they'll say, oh yeah, you know, the, 
The dog just came in last night. Here's, it's got a, here's all of this. Yeah, it's good with kids. It's good with dogs. Great looking dog. Probably not going to last long or maybe make you feel like you, know, you want to rescue this dog quick because you don't want someone else to get the dog. But they don't really know the dog either. They're only going off the paperwork that they got from the people that handed that dog off to them not even 24, 24 hours ago, you know? Yeah, and if there's not a trainer on staff, or even if there is, <clears throat> you know, consider talking to a dog trainer before you even bring a dog into your house and bringing a dog trainer with you from the outside world too. Uh, it's helpful. Dog trainers and dog professionals have a little bit different eyes sometimes, and they necessarily won't be coming straight from the heart. Um, another thing is tell the training director or the shelter director or whomever your situation, your exact situation. Like, this is what my family is like. This is how active we are. This is what we plan to be doing in the next five years. Are you going to have grandkids over? Are you going to want to have another dog? Are you going to have to have your daughter's cat while she's having a baby? I mean, all of these little things, mention them because they're all little places where it can make your life more stressful if the dog isn't the right fit for you and your family. Yeah. And there's no perfect dog. So, I mean, a lot of these situations, you should get a trainer and you're going to work the dog through different situations so that they can um, be well behaved within your social setting. So a lot of these are training issues, but I'm thinking more of temperament issues that are kind of in the dog's genetics or the dog has got some type of past that has created such a trauma so that now this dog is really difficult in your care, you know? Yeah. And if you have kids, don't bring them with you. Like this is an adult decision. So your kids are going to fall madly in love with the dog. And then that's going to pull at your heartstrings and you're going to think, okay, like this is the dog for our family and it's all going to work out great and everything else. Go in with yourself and your partner or your spouse or, you know, whatever your situation is and make a an adult decision on your own and then show the kids the dog because it's a lot harder to be saying to the kids. It's just, I mean, think about how attached kids can get at the grocery store about a piece of candy. I mean, now you're talking about a living, breathing thing that's licking them and everything else. And maybe it all went great, but maybe it's too much energy for you and your lifestyle. You have five kids and you're very active yourself and your husband travels a lot for work and you can't have a dog with boundless energy now on top of all of that. You don't need a sixth kid. Like you need the right personality type to enter your home. And it's going to be a lot harder to say to your kids, uh, while you love that dog, this dog over here is, you know, the more mature choice to make. And this is the one we're going to bring home because whatever dog you bring home, they're going to fall in love with. Yeah. For about 10 minutes, <laughs> they're going to love the crap out of that dog. And 10 minutes later, they're going to be back on their phone playing games and doing stuff like that. And that's just the nature of kids. That's just the way it is. Ultimately, the dog will be the adult's responsibility. You guys are going to be picking up the yard, the poop. You guys are going to be feeding the dog. You guys are going to be bringing the dog to the vet for the vaccinations. Walking the dog to go yeah, to the bathroom. you know, and uh, that's just the way it is with kids. You know, I have three, so I know how it goes. Every dog that came into my house, I knew it was going to be my dog, and my kids loved the dog, but I knew it was my responsibility, and I, I tried to get them to do, you know, some of the chores that had to do with the dog, but ultimately I knew it was my responsibility, and I didn't have a resentment towards my kids if they acted like kids, you know? Yeah. So when you go into this situation, kind of have a game plan, have a thought process, have, you know, obviously, like Scott said, the dogs aren't going to meet every single criterion on the list, but maybe two thirds of them need to be met to fire the trigger and say, okay, yes, this is the dog that we're going to bring home and we're going to adopt. And with that said, even if your dog does qualify in most of the ways and you bring the dog home, if it's not working out, 
within a few days or a few weeks or anything else, it is okay to bring that dog back. It is so funny how quickly people are just like, nope, this is lifelong commitment. I've dealt with it and everything else. And if you took the dog home, there's a very strong likelihood that someone else will take the dog home also. It just may be a bigger fit, but people would call Scott and say, oh, this dog growled at my daughter and, um, you know, we had it for two hours and he said, it's been two hours, like turn around and go back and bring the dog. Oh, I, well, worse I couldn't. Than, worse than that. I had a guy call me who's the dog bit his kid. And he said, I need to get training for the dog. The dog bit my kid. I said, how long have you had the dog? He said, we got the dog yesterday. I said, are you kidding me? You're going to spend money on training? Get the dog back wherever it came from. It's not the right dog for your house. The kid's going to get bit again. But people are so emotionally attached to the dog. And another thought that came, I have, we both have a close friend who fosters a lot of dogs. She's, a, she's becoming a veterinarian now. And she's a big dog lover. And she took a dog in uh, as a foster that couldn't be crated. So she had to go to work. She put the dog in the bathroom. When she came home, I think she came home at noon to check on the dog. It had torn the whole door off the bathroom. It just destroyed the bathroom. And she had to bring the dog back. And they were giving her a lot of crap about her returning this dog, which she's fostering for free out of the goodness of her heart. And the dog is tearing her house apart and won't stay in a crate. So those are little things that can happen to people. You yeah. Know? And obviously these are extremes and we hear more of these kind of horror stories than anybody else because we're in the industry. But if it's not going well... Don't feel bad. Don't feel like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm going to, this dog isn't going to make it and everything else. Like if there's a better fit for the dog out there, find that home for that dog and bring the dog home. That's a better fit for your well, household. Hang on a second. That, that sounded kind of weak. If it's not going well, if it's not going well, get yourself a trainer and get the dog trained. I'm talking about, and I think Jess is too, extreme behavioral problems that show up early on, aggression, anxiety, destructive behavior. Things where it's like, holy crap, big problems, and you've only had the dog for a few days. Because the dog could be with you for 10 years. I mean, this could be a big, big hassle, you know? Yeah, and a lot of those hassles are a big mountain to climb, and they're not a quick fix. So after the break, we're going to give you guys some more tips. And uh, we're into rescues. We're into you rescuing. We just want you to be able to do it the right way. Does your dog seem anxious? Would you like your dog to relax? Do you want to feel more in control? Would you like your dog to cooperate? HowToCalmYourCanine.com That's HowToCalmYourCanine.com Okay, guys, we're back to give you a few more tips about rescues. One thing I wanted to mention that I've run into a few times with clients was people that adopted two dogs at the same time from the same home, a situation where two labs were in a, in a rescue pound, uh, five years old, brothers, and they said these dogs have to go together because they're very bonded to each other. They grew up from puppies together, and they need to go to the same home. I would strongly advise you not to get involved in that situation because they're so bonded to one another that when you separate those dogs, they both are having, at least one of them will be having an extreme emotional breakdown with separation anxiety. And long story short, I went to a lady's house where they got these two dogs. She didn't have a crate. They were just like running around the house. I said, you should get them crated because what I wanted to do was take one outside 
to do some obedience training and then bring the other, then switch and then work with the other one. When we brought one outside, the other one started barking and becoming so disruptive inside that when we went back inside, the other one had pooped all over the house. It was having a complete breakdown because of the separation and because uh, they never separated. And that's another layer of hassle on top of what's going on because if you want to create the dogs because of maybe some potty training or destructive behavior, and I would recommend any new dog that comes into your home, you want to treat them like a puppy. So at the very least, if you're not crating, if they can't be crated for some reason, they need to have some type of uh, restriction put on them, whether it's a pen or something. You can't just give them your whole house because you don't know what the heck's going to happen. You know, they could be poop, they could tear the whole house apart, poop all over the entire house. All kinds of stuff can happen, you know? Yeah, and sometimes people are caught off guard. They go for one dog and then the rescue says, oh, well, you know, they're a pair. They're and a team. They really need yeah. to go together. And if they're pushing that onto you, I wouldn't work with that rescue just to begin with. Well, they may not be pushing. You may fall in love with one and like, oh, well, it's like we can get two. This is great. You know, thinking, oh, they'll, they'll feel, keep each other company. And you feel bad separating them. But really... Even if you're just going to take one of them, like Scott said, the likelihood of one of them having the huge fallout from anxiety with being separated is high. So just leave that situation alone. If there's two there, great. That's two for somebody else to deal with. You want to pick one individual dog that arrived individually because those dogs are more bonded to each other than they're going to be to you for a really, really, to, really, really, yeah, really, really long time. To if any ever. human. Yeah, yeah, they'll never be bonded to a human. Well, in the same kind of way, yeah. and or they're, when they do bond to the humans, it's going to be this unhealthy attachment like they've had with the other dogs. So be conscious of that. If there's two dogs that came from the same situation or the same household or something else, and they want to keep those two dogs together, say, that's awesome for those two dogs, but I'd like to look you know, farther down the row for a dog for our family. And um, also- I mean, the exception to that rule would be if you had some type of rural property and you wanted to take these two dogs in because they got no place to live and they're not a good- fit for most households and you can just let them always be together. That's fine, but that's not the typical scenario when people are getting a dog for their kids and things like that. Yeah, more often than not, there's some more extreme anxiety going on with two rescues um, in the same situation, moving into the same situation than just one. And a lot of times there's a lot of anxiety with just one. So we're trying to minimize the uh, issues and the stress that you're going to have moving forward. Another thing, if you already have animals at home and your dog is super assertive, you don't want to adopt now another dog that's super assertive. You want to be really thoughtful of, okay, this dog has this <clears> personality <throat> type. Two of them aren't going to go well together. You know, it's just like couples, a type A and a type A sometimes aren't the best match for each other. And Scott says, and it probably is true, and I see it um, a little bit less, but if you have a female dog, maybe you shouldn't get a female rescue. A lot of times that female to female thing, even if the dogs are spayed, is a bigger deal. And a lot of times with the males, obviously you're going to bring a dog home from the shelter that's neutered anyway, so you're not going to have those hormones and everything else going on. But the females can, it can get pretty nasty if there's two females that don't get along with each other. So if They have you, a hard time working it out. Yeah. If you yeah. already own a female dog, maybe consider bringing home a male dog. Um, and just that balancing act. And not everybody has a multiple dog household, but if you do, and if you're going to go the rescue route, then, you know, these are things that you need to consider on the front end because, you know, well, there we, should be some type of, type of trial period. If you're going to bring in a dog, a rescue, then it should be a foster. It's not, you're not committed to this. You're going to try it out for a month, make sure it all works out, everything goes great, and then you keep the dog. 
you know, but in the beginning, it'd be better if you took it in as a foster situation to make sure that the dogs get along and all that kind of stuff can be worked out. Yeah, but we had a client, um, they had an older terrier kind of dog, and then they brought a younger, it had to be like a like a border staffy kind of mix or something. It was a drivey dog. I mean, it would have been a great sport dog or something. And they brought this dog home and they wanted this dog to be a part of their family and they wanted it for their son. And the dog, the son fell in love with the dog, like right away, like we're talking about and everything else. But this older terrier wanted nothing to do with this really strong, drivey young female. And they were, yeah, they were, they were getting into it. And, um, it became the situation that they had to give up the dog after a little while because well, they turned into a biting situation where the the mom got bit pretty pretty badly. Yeah, the dogs got into it over a rawhide or something, and people can't manage their lives twenty four seven. But with this specific little dog and this high energy, you know, a little bit larger dog, it would have been a better fit to get a dog that's just going to go lay in the corner and hang out and then let the terrier still run the house, you know. But yeah. anyway, they broke up a fight between the two dogs. The mom got multiple, bit. multiple, multiple. And that sucked. It was a, it was another heartbreaker because when I first went there, uh, I did some, I came as a trainer and I worked with this rescue and the dog was super smart, learned obedience really quick, learned how to go get on a bed, do all this stuff. But its temperament was the issue. It wasn't that it wasn't a trainable dog. It was just, you know, a very assertive, strong dog. And then the old terrier, the old Jack Russell was a little bit bitchy and it would, they just didn't work well together. And they would blow up, and then uh, some. it had to be pulling them apart, and then someone got bit trying to break up these fights. Yeah, and that's a female-to-female and an assertive dog that you already own with an assertive dog that they brought into the house. But the husband used his hands for his profession, and he said, if I had this bite, like we'd be looking at six months without income. So these are just the kind of things that you want to think about. And we've seen a lot of different stories over the years, and a lot of things um, transpire. And while it seems like the three-legged dog that's blind is a really good choice for you and your heart. And well, they're not going to run away. <laughs> while it seems like that is a really um, noble decision to make, sometimes it isn't the easiest decision for your family and everything else. So find a dog that doesn't have a lot of issues, that's going to work well in your family and everything else. And we had a, a rescue from Afghanistan um, a few years ago, actually, our old employee just messaged me about him today, knowing if I knew anything about him. He popped into her head. But this dog um, came from Afghanistan, and we have a lot of rescues in the U.S. Like, it's not like, oh, like, let's go overseas to get a rescue. But anyway. Well, we don't have a lot of them, so be careful what you say now. <laughs> um, uh, the dog was with us for three weeks, and when she came back, he, like, didn't even lift his head up from the bed. And this was just who the dog was. Like, it wasn't that he was bummed out about training and everything else. He just wasn't domesticated. And the reason that she called us was because this dog was defecating for a week in her house because the dog walker couldn't get the dog, like, to yeah, go he'd near. Growl, growl at the dog walker. Yeah, yeah, the dog walker could not get the dog close enough to put him on a leash and take the dog outside when she was on a week-long business trip. Like, that's an extreme. He now, wasn't into people. Yeah, he wasn't, there's not people, people, this wasn't a people dog. Um, no, but really like, I mean, that was like, we were, it was just, it was a standout in our career. Like, oh my gosh, like, you know, and you, if his ears would go up, you're like, oh yeah, like, look, he's happy. And he did like to eat, but it was. On a lighter note, we got a dog in from Syria. Yeah. The dog was friggin' awesome. He still is awesome. She, she she is awesome. But the thing that made, I think that whole situation work well was that the gentleman who rescued that dog was, um, 
living in Syria. He was stationed there. And, and she got, was a puppy. And he got her as a puppy. Yeah. He raised her there and then had her shipped here. So he had the relationship and he yeah. worked with her from a puppy. And she was just a very happy, awesome dog. Yeah, you know? but she, uh, yeah, she was a good dog. And she actually has a pretty popular Instagram account, Siri, not Siri. And her name is spelled S-Y-R-I. But she was featured on the- plug there. Well, he's, he's pretty popular on Instagram and she was featured on the Dodo and everything else. But you know, it's funny. They, his parents had the dog, um, at the time and called us like, Oh my God, the dog can't be in a crate and the dog is really a problem. And we're thinking, Oh, here we go. You know? And she was lovely. She was a really, really nice dog. Just she high would, energy. Yeah. She'd talk to you in the morning when you let her out of the crate. Woo, woo, woo. And she was just super happy, nice dog. So it's not that all rescues are from overseas are going to be a problem. Or if you get a rescue, it's going to be a living hell. Again, Two of my absolute positive heart dogs were adult dogs that came from a rescue type of situation. They maybe were more along the lines of a purebred dog, but full-on mutts can be great too. It's not that there's an issue with that. It's just- Usually better. No, Yeah. There's that whole um, hybrid vigor is interesting with the mixes. Sometimes they live forever, but you want to be conscious of what you're being told, what you see- if the vaccines are max matching up with the microchip number and everything else, like you just don't want to get involved in anything fishy because raising a dog and owning a dog for a decade plus comes with enough challenges in and of itself. You don't need to create more for yourself. So yeah, I was going to say too, um, you talking about vaccines, just know what you're taking on because you know, even most adults act just like kids. We get so emotionally involved. We see a dog, we're like, Oh, the most, you know, the more pathetic the dog is, the more we feel we need to rescue this dog. There's a lot of people like that out there. And a lot of these dogs are coming in with some, a lot of health issues, skin issues, uh, autoimmune issues is what we've seen a lot of. And it pops up in many different ways. It manifests itself in as many different health issues, this autoimmune weakness, you know. And uh, it's financially, it can be a huge thing to be trying to get on top of all of these health issues with a rescue. I mean, if you got to have some, you could wind up spending, you know, 10 grand, you know, within a couple of years on just back and forth dealing with that kind of stuff. Yeah. And adopting a dog that, you know, is, has a little bit of a health issue or has a health issue early on, you're going to develop a different relationship with that dog because you're actually kind of spending the first few months of its life. Pet insurance. (laughs) Exactly. But you're spending the first few months of its life kind of coddling it so now all of a sudden, this is like the foundation of your relationship too. So, I mean, it, nothing is a surefire, okay, this is going to be the right answer and this is going to be the perfect fit for our family. But we've just seen it enough that there's kind of this mismatch and it just could have gone a little bit better had some precautions been taken on the front end. So if you guys need anything from us, you can always check us out or send us some feedback or questions at studio at the And in the meantime, keep it quirky. <laughs> The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.